And welcome back to Panic Mode, the podcast for gamers and game designers, with your hosts who are currently stuck in Monster Hunter World, Shelby and Eden. Are we stuck? <laughs> we are very stuck. Well, not stuck. We're like, it's like the good kind of stuck. Yeah, that, that Toby Kodachi's a mean dude. <laughs> we are fully in the gameplay loop of Monster Hunter World. After complaining about how we should really get back into it for I like know. the past like 60 episodes. Update, we did get back into it, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, I think we've been playing like 60 hours in these past like two weeks or something like that like as soon as Aiden gets home from work and we finish our chores and stuff it's just it's all about upgrading those weapons but this is relevant because today we're talking about gameplay loops so Monster Hunter World is of course going to work its way in there um some people may not like it some people I know definitely do so that'll be kind of fun to now talk hold about. on Shelby this sounds a lot like the the feedback loop thing we did way back in oh the my day. goodness is this, is this the same thing <laughs> No. Okay, well. <laughs> so that's a great point, though, Aiden. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Sorry, it's just funny because it's written in front of us, so it's a good, it's a good time. <clears throat> so are, you, mean, you mean our segues aren't yeah. always just perfectly natural? <laughs> seamless, we don't yeah. just our chemistry doesn't just bounce off and take oh, the show man. in natural good directions with cathartic conclusions I'm by just, itself. I'm just gonna move on, Aiden. So a gameplay loop and a feedback loop are different. We did a previous episode where we discussed some feedback loops. You'll probably remember a lot of Mario examples with the blue shell, if that rings a bell. So a negative feedback loop is a balancing relationship. In Mario, if you're in first place, for example, a negative feedback loop will make it harder for that same thing to happen again. So that's so when hard that for you to maintain shell. your lead. Yeah, exactly. So that's where that blue shell comes in, hits ya. Um, so that's the game kind of making that adjustment. Where a positive feedback loop is a relationship in the game where uh, you can sometimes think positive things will continue to happen or negative things will continue to happen. It's basically uh, reinforcing right. behaviors. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about that, we did a full episode on it. This was episode five of the Panic Mode podcast. So I suggest you check that out. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. We're talking about gameplay loops today. So what is a gameplay loop? So broadly speaking, a gameplay loop is that function that allows players to engage in repeated behavior in a loop uh, to move through the game. So at its core, that's actually the word we're gonna use, a core gameplay loop is really the simplest part of the game. So we really like to use Mario as examples, of course. Everybody can uh, usually has like a basis for that game and it's wonderfully designed to break down mechanics. So in Mario, what would be considered the core gameplay loop, the simplest part is that you walk, you run, and you jump. Those are the, the the core loop of what you're doing. That's what you're doing for most of the the game, pretty much all of the game. Yeah. You move around. It's, it's platforming, right? So of course you can run. Of course you can jump. Um, and it's it's continually repeated for the player. But we want to kind of get across that on top of that, there are other loops that of course are coming into play, right? So we can think of interacting with enemies, for example. So this is more of you know a gameplay mechanic that enemies can pop up, and you can use the the jumping mechanic to. I guess you're not really killing them. You're stepping on them and then they go to a nice place. Maybe. Oh, you're murdering, you're <laughs> no, murdering you're really, the crap no. out of them. It's gory. <laughs> but you, you jump on their heads and they disappear. <laughs> and that's a way of dealing with enemies. So this is, you know, part of the game's mechanics in terms of jump to get rid of enemy. But you'll notice that that's also part of the core gameplay loop. You're using jumping to, to uh, utilize it for another function, right? So this is where the gameplay starts to get really varied and interesting. And it's not just repetitive for the sake of being repetitive, but there's a lot to keep you engaged. 
Um, and I think that's really what we're kind of going to be focusing on today when talking about gameplay loops, because while they may start very simple and yeah. they are very key for, for what your game is and, and what you want your player to experience, they can get very deep, very fast. And that's awesome. Um, because that's what's going to make your game really interesting and connected as well. It's really important for those mechanics to kind of layer on to one another and feed into each other at the same time. So I think the best way to, to learn about what makes a good gameplay loop is to think about what, what makes a bad one. <laughs> so uh, usually a gameplay loop will last anywhere from even just a couple of seconds to a few minutes to even longer than that, depending on what the gameplay loop is. It doesn't have to take too long to complete. But if it's the same loop with no variation at all, it can become uninteresting. Yeah, so this is kind of what I was saying earlier in the sense that there are, of course, there's going to be multiple loops happening, you know, loops in the level, um, things that you come across, but there's always going to be a goal, right? And that's kind of part of the loop too. So in Mario, it's finishing the level. The bigger goal is rescuing Princess Peach. Um, and so these are all encased in these smaller loops, right? So to run and jump and maybe get past um, an obstacle and maybe you you get to like a checkpoint, right? Yeah. That could be considered a loop um, with the small loop being maybe getting over uh, a certain jump or passing a certain area. And then the, the bigger loop at play is finishing that level. That's the bigger loop, right? And the, the biggest one is finishing the game, yeah. <laughs> which is which is giant, right? So that's not really um, what we're getting into here because that's on like the, the huge scale. But the good part is that despite these smaller loops happening, they're always varying, right? Each level is different from the past level. And that makes it really interesting. I think there was a criticism of the game Destiny when it first came out. Uh, this is the first one. And the gameplay loop was kind of getting a little bit uninteresting because there are only so many areas in the game that you had to go to. Right. But also it was sort of, it was a similar quest, I believe, each time. There weren't that many to choose from. So you were going to the same places, doing the same things over and over. Um, and it just yeah, it it was, got kind of stale. It was missing the variation. Yeah, it was missing and a lot of that I variation. I think typically like, there's a lot of different ways to add inject variation into a gameplay yeah. loop. And I think the one that Destiny was missing was the enemies and the environments mm -hmm. were not different enough. That like mm -hmm. you would be you would get new weapons, which yeah. would which is like a very common way to give the player new powers, new abilities, new ways to engage the enemies, mm -hmm. which is very interesting and is a good way to spice up a gameplay loop yeah. while still keeping a lot of the original core loop intact. Mm -hmm. But when the enemies don't respond differently, that new there's isn't new tactical gameplay emerging mm -hmm. out of the gameplay loop, that's when things grow stale. Yeah. That when you're just shooting enemies or just big bullet sponges, that is a common criticism you get thrown at a lot of these type of RPG shooters. Yeah, and I think too, with Destiny, I can't remember for sure, I played it, it was a while ago, but in a game like Monster Hunter World, the monsters have specific weaknesses and strengths. And so when you're building weapons, when you're getting new weapons, it's exciting because you can build a weapon that is specifically uh, going to counter that monster's strength. In Destiny... I don't think you could get new weapons, which was cool, but right. I don't know that your enemies were specific enough that you even needed to use a specific one against a specific enemy. Do you remember? No, but... The fact that I can't, I guess, means that it probably wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know. Um, but I think that's something, too. There's this idea that uh, your loops, they should feed into the bigger game, right? A bad gameplay loop can pop up if your core loop is focusing on killing enemies, you get better gear to kill more enemies. Um, but if you have a loop that's happening somewhere else where you can do some other quests, maybe it's like a side quest, whatever, right. um, and you get some random resources that maybe you don't really need, or maybe they don't fuel that bigger loop of, of 
building better weapons, well, players may not really want to do those side quests if they're not, you know, feeding into that bigger goal because it's kind of like, well, what's the point? <laughs> and again, I'll bring up Monster Hunter World as a really good example because you can do investigations, you can do bounties. There are all these things that you can kind of fulfill on the side as well as doing the main game, but it all revolves around one, killing monsters, but your rewards all revolve around getting better equipment, getting uh, some upgrades yeah. for armor sphere, stuff like that. These are all rewards for doing those things that, that let you make better armor to, to you know, kill better monsters and, and like, progress the game. Like, so obviously it's very fresh in our minds right now because it's the game we've been playing mm -hmm. ad nauseum. Yeah. But it's essentially, it feels very clear that when you, that we set out on an expedition to achieve some objective, whether it be fight a monster, mine some more, whatever, we're, we're after something, we come back to base and we spend maybe five to 10 minutes there mm -hmm. using what we just got and deciding yeah. what the next course of action is. And it's a very simple gameplay loop. And it's mm -hmm. a very common one you see in RPG type games where it's like, you do a quest, you come back, you upgrade to make you better at the next quest, rinse and repeat. And it's good and it's effective so long as the gameplay does tangibly change. Borderlands is a game that I think is a little bit guilty of. It'll have a lot of RPG elements, but mm -hmm. as much as you upgrade your character, it doesn't really change the way you play. Mm -hmm. That I remember I was playing as Zero in Borderlands 2, who's a melee-focused character, and I got a buff that did more damage when I attack enemies from behind. Mm -hmm. So I got to change the way I play now. I got to try to play to that skill's advantage. But... I didn't get a lot of those. A lot of them were just things like, oh, if you if you hit them while you're jumping, you get a bonus of damage or whatever. But I'm not going to leap around the battlefield like an idiot. So <laughs> it was just more like if I happened to be jumping or falling through the air and I shot someone, I'd get a bit of bonus damage. But it didn't really change the way I play. Where mm -hmm. I compared that to something like Sekiro where you had every time you got a new upgrade or something changed with your kit, you had to learn how to use it because that game was hard as heck and you had to be able to employ everything to take advantage of the gameplay loop. And I think mm -hmm. this ties back to our discussion of difficulty back then, that the mm -hmm. gameplay loop can be dependent on the game's difficulty. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Just utilizing what the game is giving you and kind of asking yourself, like, do I need to use all these things? That's like in Tomb Raider, for example, I don't think I used any of like the special right. skills that it was giving me. I was just happy with my bow because I could I could just use the bow and I was fine with that and it was getting the job done. So I didn't really feel a need to use any of the other, I didn't really want to either. I was like, I was really happy. I guess, I guess in that sense, I'm praising the game because the loop was fun enough for me that I was right. content to just use the bow. I was having a great time. But if your loop is dependent on the players taking on the new mechanics, and yeah. they don't, but they don't need to, that's where an issue could come yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. That the players may just stick with what they already know. Yeah, so I guess it depends for your goals for the game too, right? Like if the, I don't know that the goal in the Tomb Raider game was to have the players use those new things. Maybe they were just there if players wanted them. And I think maybe that's okay too, right? Like not everything needs to be for every player in your game. You can design some things um, that maybe players will never see. That happens all the time with narrative, right? If you have a branching narrative, a good chunk of your game players are never going to experience unless of course they replay it um, talk to friend, whatever, right? But that's kind of like a chance you're taking. And I think in some cases, it's okay to for your players not to utilize everything, unless that is, of course, your goal, like Sekiro, for example. I think yeah. that was very much the goal because you can tell that I need to master this because that's what it's gonna take for me to move on. And the game, I think, was very aware of that yes. <laughs> because it was it was designed that way, right? To be, to be difficult enough for you to need something new. Um, but one more thing that we kind of want to point out for, for what is a bad, what could make a bad gameplay loop is that kind of timing thing we were pointing out where it shouldn't take too long. Um, and I think this is kind of difficult to judge because everybody's got, you know, different attention spans. Everybody's has kind of a different, um, 
idea of how long they want to spend on something. So I'll, I'll just kind of like give an example. So I have a game called House Flipper <laughs> that I play. I'm still um, mad that you play this game, but don't clean our place very much. <laughs> that's very rude, Aiden. How but dare you, you divulge such personal place. information? <laughs> Continue. Um, so basically you get to clean up and renovate houses. So there are two parts. There are the jobs that you can take that are people just hiring you to usually just like clean up a mess in their house for whatever reason they can't do themselves. Uh, and then like repaint a room and like put some furniture in it. Um, and then there's the other part, which is where you buy houses that are complete messes and you renovate the entire thing to resell essentially. So the core loop is basically uh, you do it, you take an action to fix the house, which is painting, cleaning, stuff, plastering stuff on walls, knocking down walls, but it's the same action. You click to 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 do that action. Yeah. So the loop itself it is maybe different. taking care of the whole job, but the micro yeah. loops are like taking care of each individual room and things yeah, like that. Exactly. But you had a problem when the gameplay loop got too big with when you bought the houses. Yeah. So jobs were fine. I really enjoyed jobs. It's really it's meant to be a relaxing game. Um but when you bought a house, it was huge. There were so many rooms, everything needed to be repainted, replastered. You could like knock down walls and I just felt really overwhelmed and it took forever to just to clean everything basically. And I realized like, I'm not having fun anymore. This is like, this is way too much. This is, I had to, this is actually work. Yeah, I had to wait too long and from like beginning to end in order to get that payoff of like selling the house, getting the money and even seeing the finished product, right? Cause what's really fun is like being able to decorate right. and, and, um, kind of like make the house you want for like the people who are like looking for it you know and so I was just kind of like this is no longer worth it to me because it takes me like 45 minutes to <laughs> to get yes, this I payoff. I think the moment of satisfaction is being like I'm done I did it this looks amazing mm -hmm. I'm, I'm proud of myself and yeah. I think this is kind of where a lot of games can go astray is where mm -hmm. they want to lengthen their experience just make yeah. I want to take this 15 hour game and I want to make it 30 hours yeah and how they do that without adding much more content is just by stretching things out where it's like okay I'm going to make this boss way harder so they have to spend two hours in this area grinding material yeah and that is okay in moderation that like for instance going back to Monster Hunter World again there's frequent times where we'll just be going back to mine ore this game is not about mining yeah. ore it's about fighting monsters but <laughs> we don't mind because you don't have to mine that much ore <laughs> It's true. It's kind of whenever you see something, you pick it up, which is, a, you know, not a bad way to go about it. But I think, too, in that house flipper kind of example, the mechanics themselves, that core loop of like clicking on something and then clicking on something else to paint it or plaster it or whatever wasn't fun enough <laughs> to make me want right. to keep doing it repeatedly, you know? Um, not you take a game like Doom, where I know for some people it can get repetitive and that's kind of been a criticism of it. But for me, I found that core gameplay loop of getting a gun and shooting a demon so fun that that was that was not yeah, a, I think that was not an different issue. <laughs> players respond to different games exactly and I think that's okay too and that's something to keep in mind too right who are you targeting with this audience um and yeah and that's okay so we've done the bad all right <laughs> what, what is a good then what's a good gameplay loop look like yeah so it's great this is kind of what we talked about at the beginning it's great if your loop is intuitive enough to build off of for the rest of the game so if it's just about running and jumping, the level design is probably going to get more complex to exploit that core loop and challenge the player in new and interesting ways, but you're always maintaining that loop, right? So it's always about saying what you were saying. Sometimes to make a game longer, people will think, well, I'll just add more stuff. But sometimes it's about really kind of returning to the core 
and making that core more interesting, exploiting it in different ways. And that's not just piling new mechanics on top, that's kind of designing around it and, and adding new levels that can challenge and intrigue and surprise the player. Um, if you're learning, if it's just about jumping, well, how can you, what are the myriad of different ways that you can employ jumping and use it in all these different ways? So it's still that same, that same loop of, okay, press right. A to jump or whatever, right? But it's it's challenged, it's fun, it remains fun because you don't let it get too repetitive. Um, environments change, stories change. There's so many ways to kind yeah. of layer on things without, and maybe layer on wasn't the right word because it's not just about adding things, but create these layers that where they make sense and you're not just adding it for the hell of, <laughs> for the hell of it, there's like a reason behind it. And I think the, one of the most common ways to create a good gameplay loop that keeps that still feels very fresh is to interrupt your bursts of gameplay, not only with different kinds of gameplay, but also with story beats or set yeah. pieces and things like that. I remember, like, I think the worst gameplay loop we ever encountered, and I realize some people are going to disagree with us for this, was uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, yeah. Which we were never big fans, <laughs> and I think the general sentiment now is that the series did not age well, and Kingdom Hearts 3 is just more of the same, which doesn't really hold up in 2019. Mm -hmm. But... When we played the gameplay, we're like, this gameplay is terrible. Can we get back to the cutscenes? And we watched the cutscenes. like, the cutscenes are terrible and way too long. Can we get back to the gameplay? So there really just was no winning. But in the perfect world, like, let's say a game like uh, The Last of Us, where it's just like the gameplay is tight mm -hmm. and the story is also interesting. And mm -hmm. it's great to transition between the two. You're, you're mm -hmm. excited to get back to each one mm -hmm. and little things like that. I think one of my favorites was Shadow of the Colossus, where mm. very little story to break this all up, but there were two big types of gameplay where there was these long stretches of navigation interrupted by big epic boss fights with the Colossi. Yeah. And I think those two contrasted each other so well. It was just a very unique gameplay loop that there wasn't just little enemies spurted throughout the levels trying to interrupt you as you get to the boss fight. That's just time for you to relax and meditate and think on what just happened and mm -hmm. things like that. So I love gameplay loops like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's almost about having, no matter what your game is, if it has, maybe it has, you know, narrative cutscenes, maybe it doesn't, that's okay. I think the point is to have transitions, variations between right. what you're doing versus what you're going to be doing in five minutes. Um, I think that's a good question to ask too. Like, what does my game look like uh, for players in like in 30 seconds of somebody playing my game, what happens? in 30 minutes of somebody playing right. my game, what does it look like? And I think there should be at least some sort of a variation or, or something that, that changes for the player, or at least their feeling may have yeah. changed. And that's enough too, right? Because maybe the gameplay hasn't changed in 30 minutes, but ideally your player's feelings towards your game will have changed in the sense that maybe they understand it a little bit better, right? So there, there are all these things that you can kind of be considering. Um, especially asking questions like that. What does it look like in three hours? Well, hopefully by then <laughs> the, the something will have changed considerably, right? Like the, the setting, the, the characters, a mood, maybe they've learned something, a secret has been revealed. Um, there's a new mechanic, you're jumping in a new environment, whatever. Um, but those are fun yeah. kind of questions to and ask. Just one other thing I wanted to touch on was we've been preaching the, the merits of variety in the gameplay mm. loops. But I think sometimes games just throw in variety for the sake of variety. And I think an example we can all relate to is the, in, in Spider-Man from 2018, there was these sections where you'd be playing as Mary Jane or Miles, oh, yeah. which I don't think anyone really responded to that well. And I think they were put in just to kind of like slow down the gameplay for a bit. The mm -hmm. Spider-Man gameplay was very high octane. And even the sessions where you play as Peter outside of the costume were a little bit slow paced. And I don't think those 
were a big hit with the fans. And I think I'm pretty sure they were injected just to inject some variety into the gameplay loop. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you they are not going to be back in the sequel or not back in their current forms. I think there were times where they were effective, where they lent mm-hmm. themselves to really good character developments. I think it was very cool to play a Spider-Man game from the perspective of Mary Jane. Yeah. But yeah, especially with what they were trying to do in the story. I think I think the developers just underestimated how fun the Spider-Man gameplay loop was itself. I think just navigating the city, stealth sections, combat sections, and story sections, I think those four pillars of the core gameplay loop were enough by itself to carry the game. I yeah. don't think they needed to slow down the gameplay that much with those uh, non-Spider-Man sections. Yeah, and that can be tough too, right? Like that's just the, the thoughts of a few players. Um, it's difficult to know what players are going to respond to. I mean, you can play test and play test, of course, right? But if you're looking for a specific thing, like, okay, we need to make sure that there are those those beats of, okay, high-octane action versus, okay, let's take it back and relax for a moment. Um, of course, I think that's really good, you know, intuitive design. But if the, the spider swinging is just the suddenly the best part of your game, well, you know, maybe just lean into that. Uh, I think the way to definitely fix that is to just give MJ a spider suit and then everybody wins. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough, right? And I don't think there is one exact way to do it. You gotta, you gotta play test. You gotta figure out what works for right. you. Um, and that's all part of it. And that's okay. It's not, it's not supposed to be super easy, right? If game design was easy... Just there'd be way well, I guess there are a lot of games, but that doesn't mean they're easy to make. <laughs> it just means a lot of sure. passionate people are being awesome, which is awesome in itself. <laughs> so one more thing to touch on before we move into takeaways is uh, developing opportunities for players to build their own loops. And I think this is kind of a natural way, way around the issue I was just describing with the Mary Jane sections. Mm. Like, what if you just let it so you didn't have to play those sections and the players who didn't like those loops didn't have to engage with them? Yeah. Or you put this example from Dragon Age Inquisition. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So I think that um, in terms of gameplay loops, when what happens when players form their own loops that really nobody could predict because every player is different right and i think games that are they have a lot of depth to them i guess they would also be very wide in terms of the things you can choose to do you can kind of have this happen so in dragon age inquisition whenever i came back from a main story quest whenever literally would not matter i had trained myself to run around the castle and i would talk to all the characters the main characters to see if i had a new interaction like a new cutscene with them basically right and i don't think like of course this wasn't part of the core gameplay loop which was something like you know like go out on a quest fight some stuff discover something like come back um very broadly speaking <laughs> um but it became part of my loop because i created it for myself and all of a sudden i had this ritual that got me really excited about coming back to the game because i i gave myself something to look forward to and i think of course these cutscenes are meant to be things to look forward to right. if you're if you're into that, right? But if you're not, well, you don't have to talk to the characters. That's not like a required thing to to go down those like romance paths if you no. don't want to. I think it's because you were connecting with the story yeah, a lot more. I was. And that was yeah, a big yeah. part of the loop you cared about. And yeah. it's um it's something that I've seen a lot more in games recently in the past few years is that instead of listing the difficulties in the game as easy, medium and hard, it'll be like recommended and then the easy difficulty will just be called story that like Mm -hmm. i'm just here for the story beats i don't want to be challenged by the gameplay just immerse me in the world i think that's a really great way of putting it yeah that's what the players who sometimes some players want that they just want to engage in the story don't they aren't here for the high octane action they're not here to challenge their reflexes and i think that's a great way for developers to put it that way yeah there's always going to be different ways for players to experience games and I think however you want to experience a game is valid and awesome because that's what we're all here for. The joy of, of video games, right? So I think I also saw cool. one that the easy description was just described as uh, 
I just want to feel like a superhero. It's like, yeah. I, I just want to, I just want to kick yeah. some ass and just have a great yeah. time. I don't want to be, not, right? be defeated today. I'm just here to relax <laughs> after work. Let's take it easy. Yeah. Games can fill a variety of niches and that's awesome. All right. All right. Ready to move into takeaways? Yeah. All right. So what is, what is the, the easiest question to ask when thinking about gameplay loops? <laughs> I think like the really basic one is, is your loop fun? <laughs> is yes. it something that you could see yourself doing over and over and over again, and right? One of my favorite tenets of game design is to not confuse fun with interesting. Mm -hmm. But just because you've made something interesting and it's like, oh, I can see what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting from a game design perspective does not mean it's going to be a good game. The loop has to be fun first and foremost. Yeah. And there are ways to make it fun, right? I mean, let's look. So the house flipper game, me clicking and painting walls, that was not particularly fun. It was more the joy of like right. seeing it come together. That's kind of where the fun was. The loop itself, not not super fun, but you look at a game like, let's take Doom, for example, that, that small loop of, okay, you, you've got a gun, you shoot a demon and it dies. The loop is fun because of all the things they add into that there's there are gore you know there's gory kind of kills that can happen if you do a glory kill there are many different ways the animation could play out as you like rip a demon's head off it's very right. satisfying the sound is like crunchy and like evocative and that's exciting and there's lots of lights and and just you know fun noises that you can hear and it looks kind of crazy um so that's kind of all part of it right so once you kind of say okay well we know that a first person shooter, we know that there's like a fun capability for that because of course it's been done so much, but what can we now add to it? Now that we know that we have a loop, what can we add right. to it to make it, you know, crazy and engaging and, and the things that we're trying to evoke in our players. One of the most interesting pieces of design I've seen, I guess it's just in the past year, is the auto test genre mm. of strategy games where I think they, they originated from the draft archetype from collectible card games. You look at games like Magic or Hearthstone, which is the Hearthstone Arena mode, mm -hmm. where you would be drafting cards. And then after you draft cards and you build this deck, you would then do battle with other players with that deck. And then the designers of the auto chess genre noticed that the drafting portion was also fun. Mm, and they built yeah. a gameplay loop around that, where the game itself is just this automated battle between the units you've drafted. And there's no strategy there. You just set it out and they go. But then you draft always. You're drafting between rounds. You're drafting before the game starts and it's i think it's a cool piece of design that they realized the draft was the fun portion yeah. of the game and you could build a game around that yeah and i think that's okay too when you're you know you're testing your game you're figuring out how it works if you think a different part of it is way more fun than maybe what you had initially thought that's okay just start designing it. around that instead yeah and i think too something i see sometimes is um we don't it, i call it like seeing the strings so you kind of have to think about making the players not see the string. So they right. try to get them to not notice the repetitive tasks that they're doing. Or at least, you know, if they do notice it, which sometimes happens now that I think people are learning a lot more about game design and kind of what goes on behind the scenes, what those strings look like, they'll appreciate them and they they won't think, oh no, you know, not this again. Here's this this loop. They'll think, oh yeah, hell yeah. Like <laughs> this is this is a good loop. I'm like in this. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of a more abstract idea. But maybe something to keep in mind, especially as you're you're listening to feedback for the game um, and stuff like that. And don't be afraid to have a concrete theme to root your game into. That goes back to what your goals are for your players to experience, what your goals are for the game to get across. Everything should just be feeding into each other, right? But starting with that simple core loop, I think that can really help to branch out from there and see what could make it more interesting while you're maintaining that connection between all those tiny pieces. <laughs> Perfect. I like it. Well, on that note, I think we will wrap the episode up there. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode. And we'll be back next time where we'll do our yearly wrap-up and do a debrief of the 2019 Game Awards. We'll see you then.